Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Games We Love, a weekly video game podcast focused on positive and fun discussions about games, industry news, and more. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron White, and as always, I am honored to be joined by my amazing co-hosts, Jesse Budall. Hi. Kevin Brackett. Hey everyone. And Brad Hine. Hello. Well guys, we made it. Two weeks as a podcast. <laughs> that is something to be celebrated. Not all shows do. I see Brad pumping his fists. You did it. You were worried a little <laughs> bit. You were you were slightly nervous. Just a little. Gotten, gotten through some tech upgrades already. And here we are on the other side. I wanted to start by asking everybody how your week was. Jesse, I know you had told us all about your HelloFresh sponsorship that you had going last week and just wanted to get an update from you on that. Maybe that could get us started. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So that's been amazing. Stressful because it's like so important to me to be able to do well on this. But I am currently at 21 signups, which is amazing. The max that they allow me to have sign up is 50. So I was like, I need to get 50. But I think at this point, I'm just going to hopefully, because uh, it ends on the 5th of May, the my promo code and sponsorship. So I'm hoping by the end of my sponsorship on May 5th, I'll at least be able to get to 25 signups. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Well, I don't want to turn this into like a HelloFresh sponsored <laughs> podcast, unless HelloFresh you're listening and want to sponsor right? But we got to tell this story because it's kind of cool. So all three of us, in addition to Jesse, have actually now tried HelloFresh. Brad actually was already using it. Kevin and I signed up using so Jesse's code <laughs> and it was awesome. I got to say, I Yay! had kind of been curious the whole time and I loved it. I I'm a single so guy, glad. so I got like enough meals to make one and and have leftovers for the second night. And I was a little bit nervous because oh, yeah. I was like, oh, I'm just going to eat the whole thing, right? But I didn't. <laughs> and I had my second night of leftovers tonight, and it was perfect. Like I was full. It was delicious. It was like 30 minutes or less to cook the thing. And I mean, I'm sold on it. I really am. Yeah. And, and it has nothing to do with it being your sponsorship. I mean, other than I'm glad exactly. I was able no, to help I know. You out you know? <laughs> so i'm gonna update jesse's contacts in our show notes so i'm gonna put her link tree there and i'm assuming there's a link there for people to find your HelloFresh code if yep, they want to get it's a up the top right now i i just updated Perfect. my link tree so everything is up to date and in a nice orderly organized fashion cool kevin you want to add anything because you tried you tried it too so yeah, no, it, it's really neat. I, I wanted to try it for a long time. And then Jesse said she was doing that. And it seemed like a good opportunity and help support a friend. And it was just so easy. Like the, the food comes in, uh, you know, in, in a box, keeps things cold in there. And then you put the stuff in the fridge and, and each meal separated into a bag. And you get it all out. You follow the very easy to follow instructions that come in the bag. And it took me 35 minutes to prepare this whole meal that had all these different ingredients and spices and everything. And it was delicious. Yay! I'm so glad that you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, I want to start the episode off by getting to a listener question. And listeners, if you would like to leave us a question for us to answer on the show, you can just find any of our social media channels and drop us a note, send us an email, any way you want to get a hold of us. But we're going to usually start each and every episode with one of your questions. Hopefully they're somewhat easy to answer these are meant to kind of be like an icebreaker for the episode and not an in-depth analysis uh or treatise on <laughs> how why we feel a certain way about an entire genre of games or something but i want to start with my friend jeff who is currently playing super mario 3d world and bowser's Fury. in fact i think he rolled credits tonight so congratulations to him on that i guess but Congrats. he 
nice. wanted to know what our favorite 3D Mario games are. I hope you guys have played 3D Mario games. I'm assuming that that's the case. Of course. This is something yes. Pretty normal. I, I thought it was pretty good chance of that. So, Brad, why don't we start with you? What is your favorite 3D Mario game? I would have to say the last one I completed is shamefully Mario 64. I've played Odyssey, I've played a little bit of Sunshine, a little bit of Galaxy, and even Bowser's Fury this past year, but I always kind of fell off of them. So there was always a special place in my heart with uh, Mario 64. It was one of the premier game. It was the premier game for the N64, and uh, I remember playing that, as I talked about on this podcast last week, with, with my dad and just enjoying the heck out of it. And I replayed it for the first time in 2020, actually, when they released it on the Switch. And when I didn't get all the stars this time, but rolled credits on it and really enjoyed it. So that would be my choice in the uh, limited Mario games 3D that I played. Awesome, awesome. Okay, what about you, Kevin? I'm going to have to go with 3D World because I think that game is perfect. Growing up with the old Mario games like on the Nintendo, uh, you know, I, I really love that type of gameplay. And I think what 3D World did was it integrated the the feel of that game, but it also obviously updated things for 3D and, and added new abilities and, and obviously putting it in that new 3D space. But I, I think that game's amazing, and I've had the most fun with that that I've had since probably the Super Mario World on the Nintendo. Meow. That's what we've been me- messing with our friend in our group chat lately. We just keep making fun of him and being like, you just like being a kitty. That's what it all boils down to. I, it's, it's, a, it's a good. I mean, don't outfit. we all? This is yeah. I guess we gotta all do you know? Super Mario three. That's or yeah, three. <laughs> yeah, well, that was that's a Tanuki right? though. Well, Tanuki. Tanuki. it's similar. Sorry. It's similar. The animals, the animals in I general. Know, but we're we're gonna get hate mail though if you call it Tanuki. Uh, oh no 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 cat, no! I just meant the animals in general. <laughs> all right, Jesse, what's your favorite three D Mario game? See, it's hard because I think I always tend to go for what is more my original favorite, which my first one I played was Super Mario 64. That's always going to be like a special one in my heart. The other ones I have played are the the Mario Galaxy 1 and 2. I never played the Sunshine one. I haven't played the 3D World yet, the Bow- and plus Bowser's Fury. Um, but I actually think I'm going to be adding that one to my list because that looks amazing. And I've also played the uh, Galaxy, Super Mario Galaxy. Um, I think when the Super Mario Galaxy came out, I pretty much just powered through that one and completed it within like a few days. So I was really addicted to it, but it didn't really provide me the same satisfaction as the Mario 64 game for, for whatever reason. Maybe just nostalgia. I don't know. But yeah, I'd have to say the OG. So I'm a Galaxy 1 and 2 for me are masterpieces. I never played 64 when I was growing up. So I did try to play 64 recently with the remaster that came out. I think it was a remaster, but whatever it is. It's not a remaster. It's a straight port. It's just. Okay, so it's a straight port. And I don't get it. I don't understand how people can pick that as their favorite other than because they played it when they were a kid and it's nostalgic. I think it's a pretty. Wow bad game it's innovative and yeah the cameras at the time it was amazing it was it was a new thing it was like amazing it's kind of like you know the game of its time 
You know, it's I know. Ahead of its look, time. At, look at Goldeneye. Have you tried to play Goldeneye recently? <laughs> it doesn't exactly hold up, but it was incredible when it came out. Right. Yeah. I mean, nothing had done the open world kind of way that it was approaching things. I just it it doesn't work for me at all. And I don't know. Uh, I'm probably talking about this a lot over the course of the podcast. Anytime retro games come up, but. I like new, I like shiny, I like tighter controls. Galaxy was so cool and phenomenal. And even that, I don't particularly love the Wii controls and the fact that it's all motion-based because I always thought that was gimmicky too for the most part. But just that world. For me, like being in the actual levels of Mario Galaxy was almost unbeatable until I played Odyssey. And I think that for me, Odyssey has taken the cake. And it is just... The pinnacle of all of Mario 3D systems kind of thrown into one. It's so creative. The whole Cappy thing is just amazingly cool. Oh, I mean, so, so the Wii remotes are, are gimmicky, but the Cappy thing is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. That's fair. I, I mean, but yeah, I mean, I, I just love it. I love Cappy. I love, you know, going to New Donk City and interacting with humans or, you know, different kind of creatures different places and I-, I thought mario odyssey was an absolutely impeccable game and so it takes the cake for me just barely and it's funny because sunshine you're not missing anything another gimmicky if you want to talk about gimmicky like running around with this like water backpack shooting things i don't hate it nearly as much as some people did but yeah it seems to not... be on the top or near the top of the most disliked uh, Mario, Mario games ever. 3D games. Yeah. yeah, ever. Yeah, I, 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 mean, I, I never would say got into all it. Mario games. Yeah, not even. Uh, yeah, I, I can't just... say one way or the other because I've never played it. But I, I do agree from the reviews. I'm not missing much. No, you're not. 3D World, though. However, I would co-sign. I haven't finished it yet, but I have played some of it, and I highly recommend that one. It's yeah, so fun that. to play. 3D Land is great as well. I'll probably be getting this after we're done here. Awesome. Well, speaking of games, we'll get into what we've been playing. Let's see where we want to start. I'm going to start with you, Kevin, because you have your list at the top of the notes. That's the real reason. And <laughs> Thank you. I'm honored. <laughs> I was about to make up some like witty and fun little like segue. And then I just was like, no, I'm just going to put it out there. You're here at the top. Right. So that's why. But what have you been up to, man? Well, you guys sidetracked me. I told you I was going to try to play some more Returnal. I was going to try to beat Horizon Forbidden West. I didn't even turn on my PlayStation 5 in the last week once. I mean, there I, I haven't had much time for gaming, but you guys got me distracted with this little game called Rogue Legacy, the original. I love Metroidvania games so much. I'm a really big fan of the roguelikes, and I didn't realize that this Rogue Legacy is really where it started. Somehow I completely missed it. Yes, sir. I love... Uh, dead cells i love hades and then i played rogue legacy and i realized this is where they all got their basis like this does all the things that the games i love these roguelikes do but it's like this little game was doing it back then and i can see where they picked that up and ran with it i've played for six and a half hours and i got the game what a couple nights ago or something so i've just in my free time the last two days played six and a half hours i bought it for pc and then I bought it for iPad so I could play it when I'm in the other room watching the baby or whatever, just so I would have that flexibility. And I love it. It is, like I said, it's everything that I love about a game like Dead Cells. It, it just has such an addictive foundation where you're going into this castle and 
I would be embarrassed if you saw the family tree because this game, what what you do is it's basically like it's like a genealogy of you start off with a character, and then when you die, you pick one of three characters to carry on that legacy. And every time you die, you keep going on the family tree and they mix different traits from the previous characters. And so you get all these different random abilities and handicaps and things like that and go through into this castle. And and, uh, it's very much and I think I think the creator even said that Castlevania Symphony of the Night was an inspiration for them. And that is one of my all-time games, if I haven't mentioned it before. Okay. Symphony of the Night is an all-timer for me. I think it's one of the greatest games ever made. So when I see the roguelike formula and how the art and the enemies and everything are inspired by Castlevania, it makes perfect sense. And I have been having so much fun going through. But the embarrassing part is that I think my family tree is like, in those six hours, I bet you it's like a hundred characters deep. I mean, I'm dying so fast. It is such a hard game, but I, I can't stop. Like I keep trying to get further and, and last longer. I think I'm level 22, which you get a skill tree like you would see in most games and you can uh, up your health and your magic and uh, different strength abilities and all that. So like at level 22 and I'm dying quicker than I do in Returnal, which I thought was a hard game, but this game is super challenging been super fun i would suggest to anyone if you've never played this original rogue legacy game it is so neat and then i i mean i can't fail to mention that rogue legacy 2 literally launched the 1.0 version today uh but right. before before you get there seriously this game still holds up what what is it from is it like 2013 Aaron? what year was yeah 2012 2013 something okay. like that 2013 is when i discovered it at pax so i think that's okay. probably when they so it's, yeah. it's a decade old but seriously the gameplay still holds up if you like games like hades and, and dead cells like i mentioned and really any of the other metroidvania games if you like those this game still holds up and is super addictive i'm gonna be playing through it a ton so that's where my focus has been and i could not be happier now does it have cross save at all for the PC no, and the iPad? I just, so you're running two different characters. Okay. Yeah, I just just goofing around. Really, it was a it was only it was only three ninety nine on iPad. Yeah. So uh, yeah. if you buy it on PC, I think it's like fifteen bucks. So seriously, the game runs great. It runs just as good as it does on the PC. You can Bluetooth an Xbox controller to the iPad. So I would suggest if you have an iPad and you you like to play games on the go or you know portable or whatnot. For four dollars, you cannot beat this game. I've got Dead Cells on my iPad too, but I mean, this game again—it's the foundations there. You can see why so many of these developers saw this game and said, "Man, we want to make something like that." And of course, there's improvements, you know. And Dead Cells puts their own twist on it. Hades is amazing. The story, the artwork, all that. But if you want to see where it started, you know, and I use that lightly. Obviously, there were some others, but if you want to see where they really took off, check out Rogue Legacy. I'm so glad to hear that. It has always been such a favorite of mine, and I championed it. There's somewhere out on my YouTube channel, there's, from my very minimal streaming days, there's me beating a boss at one point and losing my crap over it. Oh, I don't even know like? if it was an important boss. I don't even know. Oh, you'll get there. How did that, I mean, how did that feel to beat a boss? <laughs> because in six and a half hours, I have not beat one right. boss. Well, that's the thing. That's the beauty of these games, right? I think that's why we love rogue lights, is what? I would call them and what you know how kind of distinguishes them is because you're always progressing. And for me, that's what it's all about. It's like, I'm going to die. I understand that. And, and I can totally accept that as long as I get some sort of progressive value and it doesn't have to be big. 
it can be the most minuscule small stat increase but like give me something to build upon my death and not just make it get good right no that's the beauty is that i can see now every time i start a level i last longer the enemies are easier to beat i mean that's what all these games are if you play the roguelike games that's that's the thing right it's it's you're building up strength building up skills you're gonna die a lot at first and then you get the moves you get the abilities uh you start to figure it out so that's the fun that's why it's so addicting because you're like i can make it a little further i can make it a little further and someday i can be like aaron and beat a boss (laughs) if you don't get distracted (laughs) by rogue legacy 2 first (laughs) i know i but you know me like i'm as i've mentioned to my friends here and maybe not on the show yet but i'm kind of a completionist where like I would never watch the third movie in a series without watching the first two. Yeah. And so I can't just jump into Rogue Legacy 2. I'm like, I have to understand where it came from. And so I am like trying to get through a lot of this game before I even get into that one. I love it. Have either of you two played it, Brad or Jesse? I have not. I actually was just looking up to see what it was. (laughs) (laughs) I put a lot of time into it years ago. It was probably my most played game on the Vita. It's the perfect portable pick up and play game. Um, like Kevin was saying with the iPad, uh, it's and the cross save between the PS4 and the Vita made it so much easier to take my Vita to work and play on my lunch and come home and then continue that run on my PS4 and absolutely loved it. I, I could look up how many hours I have on it, but it might take me a minute, but it's got to be a lot. <laughs> it was so much fun. Yeah, I'm the same. I have it on every platform. It's one of the few games that I have on every single available console to me. Every, every ecosystem from mobile. That's what I did with Dead Cells. Same thing. I, Dead yeah, Cells is dead, so good. Yep. If, if you haven't played Dead Cells, I mean, that game is a masterpiece. And I've got that on every single system. Because even though I don't have the cross saves with that, it's just such a fun game that you can pick up. I really don't care that I have characters that are further on some systems. It doesn't matter. You pick it up, you play, you get better, you get further. And then, you know, it's the same thing. And if you pick it up on a different system, you're either a little further behind, but it doesn't matter. You can pick it up anytime and just see how far you can get. And it's fun. Well, good. I hope we do get to Returnal at some point. I'm glad I didn't rush this afternoon. I was actually going to put in a run or two of Returnal. I haven't touched it in 11 months, so I'm a little nervous about I wanted to kind of be able to block off some time to get reacquainted with it and the updates to it and stuff so i'm kind of glad that you didn't get to that yet because when you do i want to be able to dialogue better with it and i need a refresher myself before i can do that accurately i would say because it's been such a a long time for me sure well jesse what have you been up to we know you've been busy with your cooking streams but i know you've been gaming because i've been watching your discord (laughs) status update and there's one thing that i keep seeing pop up so i wonder if that's what you're going to talk about oh oh yeah uh does that (laughs) happen to be the two-point hospital game it does i've seen it almost every day for very long chunks of time (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah so i mean there's certain games and Two Point Hospital fits all the criteria for me to hyper-focus. And I found out that I'm not the only one that's like that. Not only because of you guys in our discussion on the previous episodes, but the fact that my my mod, Karm, and a few other people in my community on Twitch got that game because I've been playing it and they started getting addicted to it. And now they're like, dude, I just wait. I like got like five hours of sleep because I was playing at the hospital (laughs) 
<laughs> so I, you know, everybody's getting addicted to this game. It's amazing. I got it. Honestly, I don't even remember what year it came out originally, but I remember I got it because I've always been a fan of the Tycoon games when I was younger. Like those just, you know, hit that addiction spot, I guess, like that hyper focus spot for me. And I thought it was the same thing. I thought it was Hospital Tycoon is just a different name on Steam, but I'm like, oh, okay. And it was a little different. I'm like, what the heck? It's not what I knew. I actually stopped playing it. I didn't get very far in the beginning because I was struggling to really understand like what I was supposed to do. And I, I like probably, I don't know, a few months ago, I started to look it up again and like start like, I'm like, where did I leave off? You know, always trying to think of like games, fun games to play on stream. And as soon as I opened that game again to check it out, I think I locked about uh, 20 something hours in the first couple days. And then it quickly went up to 100 hours after a few more days somehow. I don't know. It was bad. It's bad. And like my streams, I it's not like the first time by any means. Like there's occasionally I'll get so hyper focused on stream playing a game. Then I'm like, well, you know, I, you know, my schedule says to like 10 p.m., but I'm just going to keep playing because if I stop streaming, I'm still playing this game. So I might as well stay on. And next thing I know, it's like four in the morning and I, I you know, I do an accidental like 10 hour stream and like, how do you do an accidental 10 hour stream? Like, I don't know. But yeah, that's that's this game. So after I started looking back into it again and I admit I did do some YouTube or not YouTube, but like uh, Internet searches on like, how what am I supposed to do? And so. After I started playing, like after the hundred hour mark, I finally figured out like there's these tasks that you that show up on this one side of the screen, <laughs> and there's different. Yeah, it, I mean it's and it's big and it's it's bold and it's right there. Uh, I just missed it. I you know it's it's fine. And there's different sections of hospitals that you can complete. So like you start at one hospital and you complete these tasks to get to like a three star uh, hospital. Then that opens up one or two other hospitals on this map, and then you can start those hospitals and each each hospital is like a different main task for you to complete and they have like sub uh, or like like a side quest as well and whatnot side tasks and they have an alternate like remix and I was like what the heck? there's like a, a third or a fourth star and I'm like how do I get this fourth star so I looked online it's again it's like I I 100 hours into this game like I didn't figure this out when you click on the hospital to like select it and you read like what you're supposed to do essentially before you actually go into the game at the top there's this really big bold tab and the the one on the left is like the main gameplay and, and the second one is remix and you click that giant tab that says remix in big bold letters and that's how you get the fourth star and it tells you what you need to do when you start so that took me 100 hours of the game to figure out that that was their and internet search but it's really fun you essentially just build hospital rooms like the the general practitioner's office uh reception office um it's just it's a builder you know and um that i think is an addicting part of it and then you have the patients that come in with various different funny amusing issues and they they're always playing off of like actual things and then there's different rooms that you build for different conditions and of course my one of my favorite things in this game is like there's the intercom like the the nurse intercom. So with builders, I know if you build a theme park, it's a lot of financial stuff and you're trying to make money and keep keep people coming and going on rides and fix the rides yeah. and things like that. But, uh, and then there's like surgeon simulator where you're actually doing surgeries. And that's the point of that game. Like with this one, what are you actually clicking on and, and making? What are you controlling in the game? So you can control pretty much... It's pretty customizable. So yeah, like in each level is different. So like some levels you're supposed to get 
make money and other levels you're um, supposed to you know complete these research tasks or whatever but you can control the environment so you can control like uh, some things that are going to help keep your points up so to speak Uh, you can you have to manage the temperatures so some hospitals they're hot so you have to use uh, air conditioning units or add heating elements to each room and then you can uh, also keep track of their happiness their hunger their thirst bathroom um, and essentially, you manage those by making sure that there's enough items like uh, vending machines that are like drink vending machines, snack vending machines, plenty of bathrooms. And then on top of that, making sure you have the janitors hired and good janitors um, to properly manage those. And you can assign different uh, specific tasks for different janitors or you can have everybody just do everything, which I learned is not helpful. Um, and then when you're hiring, the you can hire doctors, nurses, assistants in janitors i think that's all of them and each one is different some of them come with unique skills you can get up to four skills per employee and there's a a wide variety of uh different skills that each class like doctor nurse uh janitor can have then like there's a little description for each person uh personality traits and like this you know tends to leave the toilet up you know some funny things like that or like has a good attitude and um stuff like that so it's really it makes it really fun and you manage the finances so you're you're essentially acting as like the hospital the ceo of the hospital or like of all the hospitals technically so yeah and then there's a bunch of little like different tasks that you can do to make sure and there's awards so like at the end of each like um actually i haven't kept track to figure out exactly how frequently you get the award season i don't know if it's like once a year like quarterly in the game but there's awards there's i think eight total awards and i've consistently got all of them but one i've never gotten the no deaths award (laughs) there's always people dying at my hospital seems like an important one (laughs) it does it does it does i know i mean it's less time on the vending machines (laughs) people die in hospitals guys surgeons there's no there is no hospital out there where people don't die that's largely where people die oh my gosh well i had one of the people in my community that started playing the game from watching me he's like oh you decorate i'm like well yeah because it's really important it gets like the reputation of the hospital up and more more people in and my my mom, I need a transplant. I want to go to the cute hospital. <laughs> and my mom's like, "Well, but do you have do you have no deaths?" I'm like, "No, we care more about the aesthetics." Uh huh. <laughs> We're just Keep trying working. to get people into the hospital. We don't care about if they leave or not. Oh no. <laughs> so yeah. Do you I have see. to manage the multiple hospitals at the same time? Like you were talking no. about getting. Okay. Thank God. That was starting. That to would be me. too was, much. Like, my micromanagement. <laughs> that would be I too like, much. I like Sims quite a bit. Yes. Or I used me too. to. I used to like Sims. I used to like RTSs. And then as I've gotten older, I've you know I have to be very careful with what I can get away with when it comes to the yeah. genres because I just can only handle so much micromanagement before I'm like yeah. brain exploded, too complicated. Let me play. <laughs> you know, let me go be Cat Mario. Again yes, I no, I agree. That, like, and that, that's actually a good point because there's days where it's like, okay, I definitely want to do PC games where because usually PC games are a lot more involved, a lot more details. Whereas if you play like because they have a two point hospital I saw on the uh, Nintendo Switch, and I'm like, I, I don't know if you guys notice this or, or if it's like a, a common understanding, but whenever it's like a console game, it's always going to be less involved than the PC games. 
And so I've always thought like, okay, so like the Switch games or like the console games, those are for like the, when I don't really feel like getting too involved with things, the PC games, they always have like super customizable everything and manage everything. And so it's like, that's when like, I'm, I'm ready to, to manage everything at the same time. But uh, I guess there's a sandbox mode. I don't know how that works. Maybe is that something like that? Um, somebody in my community said that they're, they've been playing, they've been stuck on the sandbox mode and it's something kind of more sounding like that's more difficult to manage and crazy. But yeah, I, I like to keep it as simple as possible. Cool. Well, understandable. Now why I've seen you on playing that so much and good to finally hear about it. And I'm yeah. sure we're going to get to hear about Two Point Campus when that one comes out here. Oh, gosh, I'm excited. Well. Yes. <laughs> well, Brad, what have you been up to? Well, as of the last couple of days, I've been in heavily involved in Rogue Legacy 2 and just easily fell right back into that, having all the memories of the first game come Creeping back in, but before that, as you guys are aware, and maybe some of our listeners, last Sunday, I streamed my final trophy for Uncharted 4, which was beating the game under six hours and barely made it at five hours and 55 minutes. Congrats. <laughs> Thanks. We had a Not lot of fun doing it. Not stressful at all, right? <laughs> I thought it was going to be shorter. I thought it was going to be closer to the four hour mark. And then as we were getting to the final minutes, Aaron was sweating. And I was starting to sweat. I thought I was like, we got it. We got it. I was it. there <laughs> and it was amazing. I, yeah. I'll let you go first. <sighs> yeah. It was, uh, you know, just I didn't do any practice runs. And then the guide that I kind of looked at ahead of time said, you know, if you skip all the cinematics and you know what you're doing, you'll finish it between four and four and a half hours. And I'm like, okay. So after every chapter, I was looking at where they think I should be and where uh, where I actually was. And there'd be a little bit of a difference. And the difference kept getting longer and longer. <laughs> Finally, we're over the five hour mark. And I'm like, I think we can still do this. I've just been through this game twice in the last couple of weeks because I had to play through on the hardest mode and I had to collect all the treasures. Yeah, we cut it close. <laughs> we cut it very well, close, but it was so satisfying. Tell us about, to... What about Crash Bandicoot? <laughs> oh yeah, the, the, the game forces you um, because Naughty Dog originally made Crash Bandicoot. They put a little Easter egg in the game to uh, to play the original Crash Bandicoot, both in the beginning of the game as Nathan and uh, Elena are having dinner, and then at the very end of the game. So the first time I was like, "All right, I'm going to run through this." I haven't played the original Crash Bandicoot since the last time I played Uncharted Four, which was 2016. But before that, it'd been years on the PlayStation One. And I thought I could just run down there, but I end up spending all three of my lives trying to beat the first level of Crash Bandicoot and <laughs> wasting all this time. And when Kevin told me early on, I was like, if you miss the speedrun trophy because you couldn't beat Crash Bandicoot, it's just going to eat you alive. I know you too well. And he wasn't wrong. <laughs> and then at the very end of the game, when they make you do it the second time, I was just like, you know what? Anybody who doesn't know what Crash Bandicoot is, you run towards the camera, you have a giant boulder chasing you, and you don't want that boulder to hit you because, of course, you get smashed. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to burn all three of these lives by getting smashed by that boulder as soon as possible because our time is limited. <laughs> and sure enough, we got through it. Five minutes, just a little under five minutes to spare. And it was the most satisfying feeling because <laughs> that last those last 15 minutes were tense like it was i don't know if we can do this but we did it so very happy i'm done with all four of the uncharted propers and now i have the two side games from the vita and lost legacy to 100 percent on so i'm gonna do that a little bit more slowly because it's not the main games but they're still mm -hmm. equally enjoyable so 
that's what I've been doing. And then just yesterday, I got onto the Overwatch 2 beta. And uh, anybody who knows me, Kevin especially, I have put the last six years of my video game life was basically Overwatch um, because it's so easy to pick up and play. I fell in love with it in that traditional Blizzard fashion where they make their games fun and addicting with Diablo and World of Warcraft and anything else that they've made. Overwatch was Starcraft was another one. But when I picked up Overwatch and I learned the game and I met so many cool people on there throughout the years, one of them from Chicago who I went up and met at one of the comic conventions. Uh, and then one of my good friends um, from here in St. Louis, who he now lives in Arkansas, but you know, we, we bonded over the game. He was my neighbor over in another neighborhood here in St. Louis. And he saw that I had an Overwatch sticker on my car and, and that's how we became as close as we are now. So oh, that's um, cool. it's got us. Yeah, it's got a special place in my heart and really excited about the beta. They've made a lot of big changes for the competitive PvP, and I'm even more excited for the other half of the game, which is going to be single-player or co-op, so kind of like a mission PvE. kind of like thing. PvE, um, very much, yeah. and more lore, like playable lore, rather than the comics and cinematics and stuff that they released over the years. More stuff like that is what I'm really excited to get my hands on. Well, that's awesome. How long is the beta go? Is this a short one or a long one? I think it's till May 17th. Is Is there a way that other people can get involved in it? Or did you have to do something like some special behind the scenes? Were you like professional level player only or... (laughs) Oh, I am not a professional level player for for, for starters, but no, um, they had a sign up about a month ago when they announced all, you know, the beta was coming and trying to get excitement for the franchise again, because for all intents and purposes, the, the community has, has very much, uh, I mean, it's still playable. There's a lot of people still playing, but it's not as in its, it's not in its peak like it used to be. It's the game has been out for six years and they've, they've added a lot of stuff to it, but it's kind of gone a little you know, a little stale in some regards. So, but if anybody who didn't sign up wants to get on the beta, from what I understand is if you watch these Overwatch 2 streams that people are doing, they should have drops enabled. There should They should be mm-hmm. specially labeled on Twitch and you can check from the Overwatch Twitters and Facebooks and wherever you can get Overwatch information. Um, if you watch four hours of those kind of streams, you should get a beta key if you have your Blizzard battle tag associated with your Twitch account. Okay. Yeah, cool. Well, I, I want to go back to Uncharted a bit because I was there and I was watching and I was extremely nervous for you. And <laughs> as someone who doesn't really watch Twitch streams, that's not my thing. I don't prefer to watch other people play games. And I actually think that speedrunning in general is pretty dumb. It's like my least favorite thing personally. <laughs> I can't wow. stand it. So the well, no, no, no. Let me let me get the end of this. I, you know, when I see a speedrunning trophy, I'm like, well, there's a game I'm not platinuming ever because that's just not my thing. And but I was watching you, right? And I became very invested in it. And first of all, I think you're incredibly engaging while you're going through it. You're very good at talking out what you're doing uh, in a way that is entertaining and interesting and talking back to the chat. I don't know how you managed to talk to us so much, man while you were (laughs) executing like you know the perfect route on these things but for me it was incredibly intense like i was getting so nervous and i was constantly typing into chat to brad like you got this we're good don't sweat it you know 
we're going to make it just fine. And internally, folks, I was screaming. Like, I, I did not think he was going to make it. <laughs> Legitimately, I, if you had, like, had me on the side, I'd have been putting bets in Vegas that there's no way he was going to make it. Uh, yeah. There was a point where I was really it. confident. And you were, you were, you know, you were skeptical of it. But then as my confidence dwindled, yours was like, you got this, you got this. And I'm thinking yeah. to myself, like, he's still <laughs> got to be nervous. Like, you know, I appreciate the words of encouragement. But when I start getting nervous about it, knowing what's coming in the game and having just played through it, it was, uh, <laughs> it was a mental battle of like, I'm, I'm pretty sure we got it, but I don't know anymore. <laughs> yeah, you got the mental part is like half the battle, I feel like in those things. Yeah, for sure. oh, for sure. Well, and that's where I was going to go with this line of thinking, ultimately, was me saying, you know, it's not for me, and I think that they're crazy. But what is it about the speedrunning that you enjoy? Or what makes it worth it for you to put yourself through that? Because you were prepared, Brad, and talking about how you were ready to, if you didn't get it, you were going to keep going. Like, you, you said you weren't going to yeah. do it all in one go again, but you were fully prepared to try it again until you got this trophy what is it that makes that to you a, val- a valuable way to spend your time versus say like i don't know putting six more hours into overwatch again or, or into a new game or something like wh- why like, do, do you enjoy the speed running or do you just is the high so worth it that the end that that is what makes it a successful venture or, i don't know how does your brain work man because i don't get um. it <laughs> It, <laughs> that is the question for all of us, yeah. I feel like. No, I uh it, it depends on the game, I think. I, I do enjoy the speed run, especially on these Uncharted games. Well, I guess like there's our trophies on the Uncharted, the extra remastered versions of one, two, and three, where if you speed run under certain hours, certain amount of time you get a trophy for. My thing for the last couple years at least especially in quarantine and everything was i'm just gonna try to get platinum trophies as much as i can on playstation i found sales on on some of the indie games or just games that i have in general there's a whole uh community of trophy hunters and for uncharted 4 you know the last trophy that i left to do was was the six hour speed run um i had a lot of fun um with the resident evil games um have always been built especially after three um, the original three to I think Resident Evil three on PlayStation two or PlayStation one uh, is a very popular speedrun game, and I mean there's a whole community in regards to speedrunning too, um, just to see how the games work. They're built around it. Like I, you can speedrun. I think Kevin watched me do Resident Evil Village last year or the year before, whichever year that came out, and beat that in two hours and that was a game on our, on the first uh when you know what you're doing and you know the clear path and what the little nooks and crannies and things you can avoid it, it's just fun to to see how fast you can do it yeah I, I i do have a good time doing that i think there were some trophies dedicated to that as well but for uncharted like ever since the movie i was just like i'm gonna go through the games again in fact i'm gonna 100 percent them because there was at one time that I didn't ever think I would beat any of these games on crushing. And then once you learn the game and the mechanics of everything and go through it, you're like, okay, this is, you know, just replaying these scenarios. You can just kind of see how everything comes together and then plan your speed runs. And I think there's even some trophies on the Uncharted, the original Uncharted 3s where they have a special skin called Donut Drake where he's like, I think, 400 pounds and talks with a really deep voice and and you have to uh get through the what? game on a continuous speed run. Yeah, it's so funny. What? And I a lot of people used him on the multiplayer. 
But um, I was thinking about going through those again eventually as Donut Drake and actually speed running the first three and thought that would be. I need you to, to stream Donut Drake because I need to see. Yeah, Donut for sure. <laughs> okay, I but, that is I'm a huge Uncharted fan. Massive yeah. favorite series of all Donut time. Drake? And I don't know about Donut Drake. They take a, okay. a voice modulator too, and they take Nolan North who does his lines normally, and they just slow it down. And oh it's my so gosh! Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to Google it. I want to see it in real time. That sounds amazing. Sure. We'll do it sometime. You did use Aimbot. I have to. I did say yes. we want to like be real with the people here. And Uncharted's yep. combat is not like the highest point of its quality. I guess you could say some. So it can be pretty tough on those harder difficulties shooting wise. And it, it was sure. pretty fun to watch Brad like speed run through <laughs> here and just literally pop, one pop, shot pop. every single <laughs> enemy. And there are with some areas pistol. in the game where you, yeah, yes. with his pistol right. And there's some areas where you like can really sniping. get choked pointed and he's just like and you just watch the cursor like zipping across you could tell he's not even moving he's just kind of right. like you know barely touching the thing and it like is across the map and one shot a guy anyway it was a lot yeah. of fun and uh, i was i, I was very upfront with it time. there was no no shame in uh in using the aim because and even i think the guide recommends doing that playing on the easiest difficulty turning on uh, aim assist and just you know you can skip a lot of those encounters but i chose to just run through them and fire blind fire <laughs> because it would just zip to them and then try to get to the next spot so but yeah good stuff maybe one day we'll try a real one maybe not but for what that was i had a lot of fun with it and i appreciate you guys and anybody else who's listening that may have watched and uh thank you what's the twitch channel I i'm gonna have it listed in the show notes but just in case people <laughs> it's that's okay brad that's it's a okay, little brad. inside See, joke with me and my girlfriend when... Yeah, that's what she says. Fails in his speed runs. You could be like, "That's okay, Brad." She said that to me in the car one day. She goes, "That's okay, Brad." And I go, "Did you just call me by my name? That was really, it was unusual." And then we just laughed about it. And I was like, "All right, I'm going to use that as my Twitch handle now." I like it. I think that there's something really neat about the speed runs that make it. They the audience gets involved because we're invested. We want to see you do it. And we're cheering you on and we're also like messaging you and you're talking back to us. And it's it's a really fun experience. If you've never seen one before, next time Brad does one, you really should join. And uh, it's it's so much fun. And the more people you get in there cheering them on, it's just like everybody's having a great time. Twitch.tv slash that's OK, Brad. Yeah. And OK Three is spelled out for <laughs> four letters. OK, that's right. <laughs> yeah. OK, <laughs> spelled out. Yeah, so we need a few more people to follow his channel so he can help him get closer to becoming an affiliate. Sweet. I didn't even know that that was possible. Well, yeah, I got we'll, you. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Cool. Well, I wrapped a couple games this week, and I'll go through these you know, pretty quickly, but one of which was kind of a random. Well, actually, they're both random in their own ways. These are not games that I've been playing for a while. These are both newly picked up and blown through in a, in a sense. So Kingdom Hearts 3 is the bigger one. I'd been knee-deep in Elden Ring and Dragon Quest Eleven, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And then the news came out a few weeks ago, and I think I might have mentioned this in our catch-up for 2022 episode, but the news came out that Kingdom Hearts 4 was going to be a thing, which was a little bit surprising because Kingdom Hearts 3 was supposed to be the end, and there's never an end to anything in media these days if it's you know financially viable property <laughs> and so right they're always willing to make more and so i'm not surprised but i'm kind of surprised and so they put out this 
trailer out of nowhere for Kingdom Hearts 4, and it looked phenomenal. It has a really interesting new art style for one of the worlds where Sora appears to be almost photorealistic in a way. He's no longer cartoony. And so I was like, you know, I never finished Kingdom Hearts 3. Played 1 and 2, bought 3 when it came out, played a little bit of it, and just kind of didn't really hit that well. And the performance on PS4 was kind of janky at the time. So I fired it back up and learned that it had gotten a PS5 kind of upgrade patch to it, and it was running much better. And I just dove right back into it, and I spent, I don't know, 35 or almost 40 hours now total uh, over the last couple of weeks playing through this and just really was in love with it. And it's a game that I have very mixed feelings on. And I titled this episode Rushing to the End partially because of Brad's Uncharted story and partially because I found myself battling this problem of both really enjoying parts of Kingdom Hearts 3 when I was playing it and then by the end doing nothing but wanting to be done. And I, and I kind of hated that, that it, it took me there because I love the combat and I don't know if you guys have played the series much, but it's just really snappy especially in kingdom hearts 3 the way you can like switch between melee and you do all this like awesome all over the screen traversal and quick maneuvering and magic is very easy to mix in with your melee i did like a full-on magic kind of build so i was a super powerful casting guy and you know you're still able to do melee when you run out of magic so i would just burst into any fight i would like unload all my spells and my mp bar completely and then just melee and clean up everything and use these cool spell or uh, special attacks that you get in the kingdom hearts series where whichever disney world you're in you're being accompanied by some character from that world so if you're in monsters university world you're in the city of monstropolis then sully is with you and you're able to do some sort of a team up attack and then you have Goofy and Donald with you at all times, and so there's multiple cool team-ups attacks to do with them that have you essentially using Disney rides, you know, maybe the pirate ship that swings back and forth, and you got like a little QTE mini-game involved. and It's just a really a joy to play if you're a Disney fan, to enjoy being in those worlds, going through the combat, looking for hidden Mickeys. Have you guys have ever been to Disneyland or Disney World? Because this is a oh, thing, yeah. right? Hidden Mickey's. Yeah, they're a thing. And when you start seeing them or looking for them in a video game, you will everywhere. Like in my whole house is full of hidden (laughs) Mickey's that are not supposed to be Mickey's, but they're they're everywhere. (laughs) Like it's just amazing that that, you know, kind of three circle concoction or whatever arrangement is just something that is so frequently seen. Well, I'm I'm a big Disney fan, and I grew up on Final Fantasy, as I kind of mentioned in a previous episode. Yeah. So I, the way that Kingdom Hearts introduces those Final Fantasy elements, but with Disney characters, if if you're a fan of both things, it's such a great combination, and I think it's a really great introduction for kids to get into RPGs like that. It's just a really easy entry point, especially if you like those characters already, and they're super fun games. They are. And the problem, though, is that Nomura, the creator of Kingdom Hearts, is kind of 
famously known for being confusing and the way in which the games progress over the course of this series and there's way more than three of them there's a whole bunch of like ds portable mobile games as well the lore is so unreasonably complicated and nonsensical I am so glad that, that you're saying that because I felt that way and I'm just like, am I oh, the only good. one? It's like so convoluted no. and it's so confusing. No, I actually kind of stopped playing. I love <laughs> Kingdom Hearts. I actually stopped playing after like the second one, like had like the, the third variation or whatever. I don't know what was going on. So I'm like, I just, it's overwhelming. I need to stop. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are familiar with the YouTuber video game Donkey, but a couple of years ago, he, it was probably right after Kingdom Hearts 3 came out. He does a lot of really good stuff on video games. A lot of it more satire and comedy like but he went through the whole story and and just talked about how crazy it is and how com- everything that you're saying about it but he tried to make sense of it all and it's the funniest video if i remember correctly i i was laughing my, very hard at it <laughs> it's worth it's a good video. yeah i spent yeah. so many times trying to google like you know the correct order the storyline and even then it, like every article kind of had the same it's had the same feel. I'm like, okay, so I'm just this. I just have to accept that this is something I will never understand. Apparently, so I'm glad I'm not alone in that. <laughs> You're not, and it and it really is what unfortunately sunk it for me because by the end I was like, I just want to be done. And so I finished up the Disney Worlds, and I thought that that was going to be the end of the game. So the Disney Worlds are kind of a mixed bag in this game, specifically in Kingdom Hearts three because. There are some of them that I will tell you are among the best in, in the whole series that I've experienced. I would have spent an entire video game inside the Pirates of the Caribbean world in this game. Ooh, yes. It was like yeah. recreating one of the movies. Every single character showed up, every major character from the series. And by the end of it, it's you and Jack Pearl, Jack Pearl, you and Jack Sparrow. <laughs> and I actually was able to do something all the way to like, the highest level that I could do it. And I unlocked the special black pearl. And so then I'm sailing the black pearl around with Jack Sparrow and I'm like fighting Davy Jones. And it it is incredible. Like the experience of that was just so neat. And being in some of the other worlds was, you know, just as cool. Like you start off in Olympus and you're with Hercules and that was a ton of fun fighting some of the gods from that movie and such. But then there's other ones where they put Frozen in it and it legitimately felt like an advertisement and nothing more. At one point during the Frozen world, the game completely stops its momentum and it literally recreates Let It Go the entire music video you have no control of it it's just a like four minute cinematic of the let it go sequence and it's so obvious it's so forced right like it's not you're not interacting in any way in that and it it felt like okay disney is like pushing this because they know it's such a big song and i like i like the song and i like frozen so it's not about me like disliking it but it just doesn't fit the flow of the games so anyway, I get done, and the game wraps up with you being in San Francisco, which is super cool. It's like an open-world segment where it's you flying around with Baymax, and it's so much fun to just do that. And we finish, and I'm like, thank goodness, it's over. Did you say San Francisco? San Francisco. Fran- so- San Francisco. Okay. 
Sokyo, yeah. I never heard that before. Have you never seen? That's from Baymax from Big Hero Six. Big Hero Six. I don't remember. Is set in the. Yeah, it's set in a in a dystopian, not dystopian. Yeah, I guess it's not really dystopian because it's not negative. No, it's just like a combination of San Francisco and Tokyo. But yeah, it was it was great. And then we ended, and it sent me into this long sequence, and it it became nothing but the story of the Final Fantasy side, right? Just the human characters and like 18 parts of Sora's heart breaking apart into different like keyblades and having to be reunited. And the rest of my night was spent with three and a half hours of boss fight after boss fight after boss fight, almost all of them the exact same, running around, fighting a couple people, then running around and fighting one person, then running around, fighting three people over and over and over and over. It was that, and it was three and a half hours long, and that was with me skipping every cinematic. I got to the point where I just was done, and I just was oh, intentionally, man. it was like I was speed running. It was like I was Brad in Uncharted. I just, <laughs> it was as fast as I could get past them. And so by the time I rolled credits, it had turned from this really cool experience that I had a lot of good memories of into this, I'm just so done and I cannot wait to delete you from my hard drive. I had aspirations of going back Ouch. in and getting all the I'm going to use that next time for a breakup or something. No. I cannot <laughs> wait to delete you from the hard drive. <laughs> oh, you should. I mean, hopefully you don't have to experience that. No, I, not really. Like, I mean, not me personally. I don't I don't need that. But <laughs> that would just be a great, like, line for somebody breaking up. I mean, I cannot wait to delete you from my hard drive. <laughs> well, I think it with just, these games, though, people... You know, they they play all the DS games, the 2.7 and 2.8 remix and all this stuff. And I guess they're they're not skipping the cutscenes. like they want as much of that lore as they can. And if you're not into that, certainly that this is not the game for you because you're getting a lot of it. Exactly. And there's a DLC that apparently is just more of the final three hours that goes on after this. And, And I was like, no. So There's you no bought it I, immediately. No, no, for once in my <laughs> life, I didn't. I typically do, but no, I I bailed. And so I, I think I'm done. You know, I, I'm ready to, to move on. And and I will play Kingdom Hearts 4. Don't get me wrong. I'll be there day one because I want to go experience Sora in the Disney World with Donald and Goofy again, enjoying those characters. But I don't know that I will ever play these games and pay any attention to the story again. I will basically just end up speedrunning through the cinematics because they're just they're just pointless to me it's just too, right. no, too much nonsense that's, so that's why they give you the option though you know some people want the story some people just want to be in the disney world and so hey it's no problem yeah and the other thing that i played was a game a little indie game called thomas was alone and so i wanted to bring this up real quick because this is one of Bithel my favorite game. indie yeah, it's a Mike Bithell game. He's uh, one of the podcasters on a podcast Brad and I listen to called Play, Watch, Listen with Mike Bithell, my favorite video game composer, Austin Winery, uh, Alana Pierce, and the best video game voice actor ever, Troy Baker. So awesome. Yeah, a lot of tie-ins here. <laughs> well, I have always listed this game in my top like 50 games of all time. And a lot of people react this way when I bring up Thomas Was Alone because they're like, that looks like a game where you're playing as a square. You're literally just a geometric block and you're moving it. How in the world could that be interesting? But let me tell you, folks, it is. And there's a reason I love it so much. And it is because it is just an amazing combination of 
the simplistic puzzle nature of a game and the way that you can tell an emotional story and it not have to have these triple a graphics or be incredibly long or convoluted so all you do in this game is you move different blocks you start off as a block named thomas and the gist of this is kind of like you're a self-aware ai you're you're part of a video game programmed world and you've become aware thomas goes on he meets other blocks of different sizes there's long flat blocks that jump differently there's there's one block that double jumps there's a big gigantic square block and that's the one that can go in the water and so what you end up having to do is use your blocks to work together in order to navigate the various you know structures within this world and get through the levels because you can't do it all by one sometimes they've got to ride on each other sometimes it can get really interesting trying to figure out how to move this one over here and then that one over there and then you got to go hit a button and come back and you know ride this certain thing up to the top of a level and the biggest thing about it i've played through it many times but since my buddy had just beaten it i was like i want to go get the platinum on ps5 so i was inspired to do this because of brad i was actually you know when i was watching speedrun, i was like what game can i platinum really quick so that i can get one too well i started playing it when i realized about halfway through by the way there is no platinum <laughs> so Oh, oh no! I, so, was, I was wondering. Yeah, <laughs> there's not no, but I, I was just started it off, and I went into the audio settings because it felt kind of loud. And there was an audio setting that said commentary, something very strange. So I was like, well, let me turn this up. And as I turned it up, Mike Bithel started talking. So I restarted the game. So I was only a couple levels in. And I played through the whole game with this commentary track. And I've never experienced this before in a video game. Now, as a film podcaster, I love special features. One of my favorite things in the world is a good making of documentary. This was essentially a making of video game with the developer himself. I love Noclip. I'm a supporter of the Noclip video game documentary channel on YouTube that Danny O'Dwyer does. I adore those stories that he tells about the behind the scenes stuff and this this was awesome it was mike bithel explaining his process how he designed levels with their intent in mind how he designed the characters he talked about the composer david housden and how he met him and how he was young and this was like one of his first big jobs and he created this amazing score he talked about the narrator and how that person came on board and it was just really neat to see like we get to one point where he's like this is my least favorite level in the entire game and so he talks about that while you're playing it and i just made me really wish that there were more games that did this because it is a truly unique experience and thomas was alone is a game you can beat in four hours or less you can 100 percent it like i did i've done it on multiple platforms now even though there's no platform to trophy whatever it's worth it. It's such a great game. And there's a small DLC that adds another 20 levels that adds in a jetpack element to some characters. So um, you can get a little bit extra. And that one has a little bit more skill-based challenges where Thomas Was Alone's proper game is maybe a little more on the puzzly side than it is having to be you know, intricate movements with your characters. But I just cannot recommend this game enough. And it happens to be part of the PlayStation Spring sale right now. So it's a dollar. It's a $10 game and it is on sale for 99 cents for the next two weeks. So from the day that 
this goes up on the feed. It's about two weeks. You can get it for a buck. I, I think it is a must play for anybody that loves indie games. I think it is one of the defining indie games of the generation. So I just think it's, I think the, the world of it. And I love pretty much everything that Mike Bithell has made, but this is his best by far, in my opinion. And yeah, hope everybody gets a chance to check it out. Cool. I'm going to play that with the commentary. That sounds great. Brad, have you played it? You knew it was a Bithell game. Had you ever I knew it was a Bithell game said, just by by word of mouth, um, him talking about it. I, I haven't actually played it. I think I own it. It might have been one of the freebie games at one point in the years that I've been on PlayStation. Okay. I'm definitely more interested in it now, um, having heard you, heard you talk about it. Um, I just, I've never made the time for it, but I did pick up his Solitaire Conspiracy. With Greg Miller. Came out with a couple of years ago. Miller, Alana's in it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, that was a really neat, unique twist on Solitaire. I, I had a lot of fun with mm-hmm. that, but yeah, that's always been on my radar. Haven't actually put the time in yet. I think you'd like it. Well, let's get into some new stuff. When it comes to game announcements, there's been so many new ones. I don't know if I want to touch on everything. I did want to mention, we did get news or confirmation, I guess. This ties into Brad's playing of Uncharted 4 in a way. That Amy Hennig is making a Star Wars game. So her new studio, she has a license with LucasArts and... I guess with Disney to create this Skydance. So yeah, Skydance I think is her studio. So yeah. are you hyped for that, Brad? Are you a Star Wars fan? Is that a marriage you yeah. are into? That's uh, it's definitely more interested in in that Star Wars game, and as well as if they ever make. I think they're making a uh, Fallen Order too, but like Battlefront and all those competitive ones, like online multiplayer ones, or even the flying like Rogue Squadron and all that not really ever interest me but those but if this is anything like uh fallen order or anything like the uncharted games that she made one two and three yeah count me in for sure and i think she's making the uh she's the lead uh writer on that forespoken game too that's been delayed several times since the ps5 announcement but she had a hand in it she had some story yeah she she didn't write it she was a consultant on it from what i understood though Definitely curious about that game. I don't know. I'm not sold. It's I'm on the fence about it. Yeah, but it, like yeah. when I saw that she was affiliated, I'm like, okay, I'll. I, that makes me more interested. But we'll still see what it looks like when it's closer to release. Jesse or Kevin, have any thoughts on uh, Amy Hennig? Do you are you a fan? Do you even know who she is? I guess I can't say I'm too familiar. No. Okay, good. Me neither. <laughs> okay, so Amy Hennig is the creator of Uncharted and also okay. the creator of the Legacy of Cain series. Oh, okay, okay. okay. I don't pay attention crea- to names. Yeah, so she was the main writer at Naughty Dog. That's awesome. I always love it when I see or find out about like a female, you know, leading she's, that sort of things. Oh, she's a giant. I mean, she I is one of the best writers. She... There was a notorious breakup, unfortunately, in Uncharted huh. 4, where she left the property and the game kind of changed and went in a different oh, direction. I didn't know that. Ends direct- up becoming a masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> it, it had changed entirely. Yeah. They were they were seven months into motion capture and everything with her story mm-hmm. when um wow. when the breakup happened and it's it's unclear whether it was, you know, what happened and everything, but yeah, after her departure, they they scrapped that seven months of motion capture and everything, and completely redid the story. So the Uncharted wow. Four that we have today is not the Uncharted Four that they intended to make initially. Gotcha. What about Tales from the Borderlands? Any of you guys ever play Tales from the Borderlands from Telltale Games? 
I'm curious if I'm the only one. It's my I second have... favorite Borderlands game. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, nice. <laughs> no, you're okay. fine. I have not played that one, but I have it in my list. <laughs> okay. I've messed around with it a little bit, but I never played through it. I mean, I love the Borderlands games, but I'm I'm so much of the like looter shooter, try to level up and get everything and and you know, I want to be it's more not that. In con- <laughs> Yeah, I want to be more in control, so I love all the comedy and the stories and characters within Borderlands, but you know, I kind of want to be on the ground doing this stuff. So Brad, you said second favorite Borderlands game. It's my favorite Borderlands game, and and I love the whole series as well. But I, I'm glad to find somebody else that appreciates the storytelling and the way that they do it. If you're unfamiliar thought, with Telltale Games, go ahead. I was gonna say I thought they did a a fabulous job adapting that property. I was always a fan of the Telltale Games, as I think you were about to say, and um. Yeah, aside from Borderlands 2, um, I, I, I would put it up. You know, it's up there as, you know, it's not pure Borderlands like Kevin was saying, where the where all the fun is the the running and gunning and shooting and looting and, and all the, the fun humor that they throw in there. But they get the humor and, and then just, yeah, I, I haven't played it for a while, but I'll definitely revisit it since they're making the second one. I've always held it in high regard, even over the initial Borderlands and the prequel. And Borderlands 3 I had fun with, but... Like Borderlands Two and Tales from the Borderlands are like peak for me. Yeah, so it being a Telltale property, you know, it's got the method of storytelling where it's kind of chapter based. You go through or episodic, I should say, not and within the episodes there are chapters as well. But you're essentially just it's a visual novel where you're making choose your own adventure type of decisions as you go, and characters can. They'll live, characters can die, characters can have different outcomes can happen. Sometimes not drastic different outcomes in the Telltale games, uh, like there are more in the Supermassive that's come after, but there are definitely enough differences in the way that the games play out that it's interesting to find out how the relationships change based on different dialogue and, and such. And the announcement came that they are making a sequel to this or a i guess that they didn't say sequel they said an all new tales from the borderlands is coming in 2022 but here's the kicker guys it's coming from gearbox and 2k it's not coming from telltale and telltale telltale doesn't exist right telltale does exist It, it does not exist in the way that it used to so telltale unfortunately fell apart <laughs> several years ago got purchased by someone and is being revived. So actually the Wolf Among Us 2 is coming out this year, which I'm extremely that's, that's excited for. That's my favorite Telltale game. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine's right there with you. And that is the new Telltale. And so that okay. studio has kind of got the bones of that storytelling method in it. Whereas Gearbox doing a Tales from the Borderlands game concerns me because the writing kind of was perfect in the way that Telltale implemented it, and then Borderlands 2 had such great writing, but as this universe continues on, for anybody who's played Borderlands 3, anybody who's played Tiny Tina's, like, it can really wear thin, and, and I just don't know if they can get the emotional balance right that you need to for one of these narrative-driven choice-type games uh, without action to kind of distract you right it's not just all jokes you have to really be locked into that story it has to be tight so i'm a little nervous personally i was pretty hyped for it when i heard the announcement and then i 
read it was Gearbox, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> no, give it to Telltale, please. So I, I guess we'll see. But yeah. I guess Brad and I will yeah. be keeping our eye on that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to kind of end by talking a little bit about PlayStation and some of their direction that they're going here. Two pieces of news have come out recently. One just this week is that it's been reported that Sony's revamped PlayStation Plus service, which we're going to talk about in a second, has now gotten to the point where Sony is asking developers, or requiring developers, I should say, to create two-hour-long timed demos for any game that costs $34 or more. Really weird like specification on the price there, by the way. But part of this is because one of the tiers for this new PlayStation Plus service includes game demos. And so I wanted to get you guys' thoughts kind of on this move and on game demos as a whole. Are you pro-game trial or not? Do you think it's okay to put it behind a paywall like this and to force developers to make trials of their game? I mean, does this rub you the wrong way? I just wanted to find out. They're not they're not going to have to make them. So the Sony team is going to make the demos for them. So they're not having to put any extra money in. And to me, the it's I mean, a demo. I've been playing demos since I used to get them in a magazine and they would mail That's them to me. And I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I played. Yeah, I'd play PC demos and then eventually PlayStation one demos. And I, I think it's great because if someone wants to play the game and, and pay sixty dollars for it, they're going to do it. If you're on the fence, play the demo. And what do you really lose there? It's two hours. It's not like you're giving away your whole your whole game. And I, I think it's a great thing. And these these uh, these studios will hopefully sell more copies. And I mean, the, the paywall thing. Yeah, I think that's a little weird that it's a paywall. But uh, at the same time, I think that a lot of people are going to be getting this new service and all that it has to offer. So you know, and you're paying for that. It's $120 a year for this new PlayStation Premier. Is that what it's or premium? So yeah, I, I, I think it's a cool idea. I think I think uh, being able to play a game before you spend that $70 now is really, mm-hmm. really neat. Yeah, no, I, I, think, I think I I agree. Yeah. I mean, I think that I don't know all the ins and outs of it. But if you said, like, like you said, if it's correct, if PlayStation is going to be paying for it, if any extras are doing it for them, I really don't know how they feel about that. If I was creating the game, I'd kind of want to make sure the demo was <laughs> what I wanted to show of my game and how it comes across. I don't know if that's what you mean. It's doing. I feel like. Well, I'm sure it, they have input. It's just that like yeah. these studios aren't. They're not going to have to, to, you know, spend their money and their on man them. hours. Yeah. yeah, to create it, like PlayStation will do it for them and gotcha. produce it. But if but if this studio is like, yeah, don't put this scene in there. We don't want to spoil something. I'm sure they have some input, but it's not putting the weight on the studios. Like, hey, we want these demos that we're charging monthly for, so you spend $50,000 to make yeah. one. No, it's it's like, they'll take care of it. And, and I think yeah, their, and I, their sales will go up. I mean, I honestly, my how my mind works on the marketing side of things, like, why wouldn't you want to have a demo of your game, especially the, high, you know, well, higher price games like if you have like a cheap game like you know it doesn't much matter but if you're having like the the standard like 60 plus dollar game and you don't have a demo like you said like i i feel like when you test it out it's and you that kind of like pushes you over that edge to decide to buy it especially the games because I, I don't know when this changed but i know back in the day a lot of games didn't let you carry that data over 
And a lot of games nowadays, uh, at least all the ones I've played so far that have demos, whenever you buy the full game, it lets you bring that data over. And um, yes. sometimes it even gives you bonuses if you have played the demo and completed the demo. I think that's really, really smart marketing on their side of things. I think that it can only help them. I don't see any negative uh, downfall unless they're just making a really crappy game. But, you know, at that point, <laughs> like, they should just with do the, better with the and people internet, are going to find out anyways. <laughs> that, that's the thing. You can't hide it anymore, right? So, like, yeah. if companies are being forced to make a demo or have a demo for their game, you know, if you're not making a good enough game that's going to give, you know, be be enjoyed by people like that's on you but the internet you're gonna you're gonna have ign you're gonna have all Mm -hmm. these different scores and so it's not like they're gonna fool anyone everyone knows when there's a bad game right so yeah and i think think it's it's gonna help the gamers here like the common people you know especially you know a lot of us that are interested in playing these games like we don't we're not rich we don't i don't i don't know speaking for myself i'm not rich i don't have the money to spend 60 dollars every time and then it's like oh actually i don't like this game and then you what you you can't get it give it back <laughs> you can't return it especially once it's yeah. digital games especially right? digital wanna, yeah. yeah especially digital now yeah, so I've always I, been, I think it's i think it's um ideal personally i've always been pro too as well i mean i i love love demos and game trials i think most people do and i was a little bit kind of iffy on this at first but i actually just was googling while you were talking because Te- kevin i guess that news came out just literally yesterday the update yeah. that it is Sony had said, no, no, we're doing this in house. We're not having the developers make them themselves. So that is a big difference because Sony studios doing it. Well, it, there's complications with that too, because you didn't make the game. So what you choose to put, you know, in the demo is going to be interesting in how they form the demo uh, versus how maybe a developer would want the demo to look. There's a potential difference there in creative opinion. But I think with Sony Studios doing it, it is much more fair. And the f- it's just a toss-up. So, yes, I want more demos, and I want them accessible to everybody. However, if you're going to make so many of them, and you're going to like require them to be made so much that you're making a team to do it in-house, I don't have a problem with you putting them behind that subscription paywall and it being a benefit. Because to me, it does feel like a fair benefit. Now, right. what it will do is it will shine the spotlight in a positive light on any dev out there that's like, I want to make a free demo to my game. doesn't sound like you're going to be able to do that in, with Sony, but like Microsoft now, it'll be interesting to see how they respond to this because if devs are like, well, I'm making a demo and I'm going to put it out for free on Microsoft and then, you know, oh, but you got to pay for it if you want to go to Sony and it could be a different demo because then you would have a developer make it versus Sony making it. It's, it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. Yeah. That, um, that, when it gets to that point, it's, I don't really know, you know, until they, I see how it works out, you know, it's going to be hard to know, but hopefully they make the right choices. This yeah. all plays into the new PS plus tiers, right? So PlayStation plus in an effort to try and make some headway into this market that, Game Pass for Microsoft has been acquiring. This is not the same thing, but what they are doing is they are splitting their PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now services, and they are creating three new tiers that will include some sort of combination of both of those things. So PlayStation Plus 
the base PlayStation Plus that exists right now, which is what you have to have in order to yeah. play online and you get free games every month and they're you're they're free for you as long as you have the subscription. You can play them at any time. That tier is going to be called PlayStation Plus Essential and it's going to stay basically the exact same with exclusive discounts, those couple free games and online access. And that one's going to be $60 for a year, which I believe is the cost of it now. There's going to be a next tier up called PlayStation Plus Extra, which is going to be those things plus some of the PS4 and PS5 games that they currently had on PlayStation Now, which was their kind of game subscription service. That one's going to be $100 a month. And then there's going to be the biggest... I'm sorry. Whoa. No. Good oh my catch. gosh. A hundred dollars a year. Good call, Jesse. Yeah, that's a big difference. Hundred dollars a year. And then there's the PlayStation Plus Premium tier, which is a hundred and twenty dollars a year. And that one is gonna get you all the previous benefits, the game trials and demos. It's gonna get a catalog of what they call classic PlayStation games, and it's gonna give you the ability to cloud stream hundreds of games that you don't have to wait on downloads for. That's the way they word it. Personally, cloud streaming through PlayStation has been way hit or miss for me, and I would much rather download yeah. the games. So it's not like yeah, that's a no, positive. That's, it's, that's it's their not, way of saying, we're just not going to make marketing. it easy on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah because the, the streaming's horrible on there. I'm, I'm a current PS Now subscriber. I have been for years. And uh, cloud gaming has gotten really good. I've tried most of them. I've tried amazon's i'm a current google stadia subscriber i'm a geforce now subscriber for many years streaming's gotten really good playstation streaming is not good and the uh, ps3 it's too laggy it's not responsive enough uh you know i wish they would let you download those games because they're going to give you hundreds of ps3 games but you have to stream them you can only download the ps4 and the ps5 games which is a shame so i really hope they fix that in the near future I do as well. I don't have a lot of hope that they will, just how they've handled it so far. But I do have a list of PS2 games that I am you know, crossing my fingers will show up on this service. That's for sure. But the I one just thing I want personally dislike the tier thing. It's like, why can't we just you don't like simple? it? No, I don't like it. I mean, I feel like when one does it, then another one does it. You know, they're mm-hmm. trying to keep up, which makes sense business on the business side, but. Like, that's how it's been, like, with the video games. I remember when, like, the first games were you had in-game purchases. Um, before WoW, even. Um, I forget which what it was called. But when they first started to make games that you would buy the game itself. And then in, in-game, you had more additional purchases with real money. And I'm like, that is the stupidest thing. And nowadays, that's all games. And, like, with this the subscriptions, you know, this is with... Uh, tv service streaming like video services like you know start with netflix and then hulu and now it's like disney channel broke off and like everything's breaking off into these segments so in order to like be able to see what you were watching originally everything they're like trying to make more money off of it and there's somebody like oh we can make more money doing this so we're gonna have it over here and you end up paying like all these services towards like this is pretty much like the same cost of cable at this point now which is kind of the point of what we were trying to get away from and it's not costing them necessarily anything extra from my understanding. They're just trying to make more money and it's like just a way for them to like work work that. And then with these with like online, like gaming online, you know, ov- back in the day PlayStation Online was free and Xbox you had to pay for. I love that. Even like people didn't like it, it wasn't as good, 
I didn't care because I didn't really care about that and it was free. <laughs> and um yep. I, and I get as far as like, you know, streaming services and like, you know, or you know, stream online or gaming online, whatnot. Um, it has its costs what's and such, but like when you start having the like uh, Nintendo, for example, um, you have the uh, I, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember the specifics, but there's like the online. You can have the Nintendo online, and that you can get you know as usual special bonuses. You got like you get little extra perks, and you can play games that you wouldn't normally play at a discount. And then they came out and like the there was like retro games that you can have as well, like from the NES and the SNES, and then. They're like, oh, you're gonna. We're also gonna release uh, the uh, Nintendo 64 games. Awesome, perfect. But it, in order to do that, you have to have the online game plan plus this other thing in combination. I'm like, what the heck? Like, like it just it's just kind of gimmicky to me, and it's just it just kind of screams to me personally. Maybe there's a logical reason, and it makes sense, and it's important for whatever reason. But to me, off the top, it comes across as they don't care about us as the consumers. They just want the money. And it just kind of, I don't know, I think it kind of cheapens what they're doing. Unless, of course, there's actually like a service they're providing where it's actually, you know, it makes sense. It's like, okay, you know what? That is like a premium service. I'll pay a little extra for that. That makes sense. Where when they're just kind of like holding back, oh, well, we can, you know, this these emulators for Nintendo 64 games. Like it's not costing anything extra than these ones are. Like why can't we have it included in that? That's just, well, you know. The, the good thing is, though, that with these tiers, and I get that it can be confusing for the consumer, and these are also new for everyone, but they're not forcing you into paying for the PS3 games. They're not forcing you into paying for the PS4 and PS5 games. You know, they're still separating it. So you've got your basic tier, like Aaron said, which was basically just what PS Plus is now, and you can still pay for that. It's $60. It's the same price. Uh, but if you want to play PS4 games, here's this a little bit extra you can pay. And if you want to play PS3 games, even though it's not optimal by streaming them, you know, you can pay another 30 and get that. So at least they give you options. Because if there was just one yeah. tier, they'd force sure. everyone to pay double, and then that'd be really hard on people. So it's nice to have or the you options, just I keep think. everything in the one tier, and, you know, everybody pays the one tier. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, and, the, then the and then they don't make money. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah, making they, plenty of money. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I don't know. I, other... I think I think with the PlayStation side of things, it does make more sense to me. But I think for me specifically, my mind is just going to the Nintendo online game. I, I think I'm just sore about that <laughs> specifically. <laughs> well, you know, that's it's it's all value added, and at least you know you you don't have to pay for it. You don't have to pay for the and 64 games and the Sega games and all that. And the the thing is, there's a lot of rights and people yeah, still have to get true. paid. So it's yeah, not just true. like, yeah, the games exist, but there are rights holders. I just don't like they, change. Well, <laughs> I, you, you've already said it. Everything's changing that way, even though we yeah. don't like it. And in-game purchases, streaming services. And so it's kind of like, uh, you know, I don't I, I don't think that we can put put it back in. Right. It's it's already put it back out. in. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, the other key piece of uh, information here is that if you aren't aware, this is not like Game Pass, and day and date, brand new releases from PlayStation Studios are not going to be part of one of these tiers. So it's not going to be like your Game Pass subscription where you pay for it and you get to play Halo on the first day. You're not going to get God of War Ragnarok because you have this subscription. You're going to have to buy that game separately. Now, it's interesting that you're talking about like the value 
because I do want to share real quickly a tip on how you can save some money as PlayStation is about to change this. So if you are a PlayStation Plus subscriber out there right now and you have an ongoing subscription with X amount of months still on it, you will be converted in June-ish time frame when they make this swap. The remaining months on your service that you have paid for will be converted into the essential tier, the bottom plane tier. It'll be the same thing that you have now. Nothing will change. If you are a PlayStation Now subscriber, you will be converted into the premium tier. And if you are a PlayStation Now and PlayStation Plus subscriber, i.e. like me, you have both of these, you will be converted into the premium tier. And just like if you had PlayStation Now by itself, your end date will be determined by the current end date of your PlayStation Now or your PlayStation Plus subscription, whichever one is the longest. So here's what you need to get out of this. If you want to make or to save money, if you go buy prepaid PlayStation Now cards right now, you can buy like a year of PlayStation Now for 60 bucks. But they pulled them all. You can't buy them anymore. Well, if they're out there, I I got some online digital codes. So, I mean, I would imagine you could probably find some somewhere. So if you can find some, because this is what I did, I got mine out like three years. Maybe I just got lucky before, you know, they pulled them. But if you can find a way to find PlayStation Now prepaid cards, you can stack them. So you can pay $60 You can't anymore, Aaron. You can't. They, They stopped it. No, they did not stop it. That's what I'm telling you. That it is not stopped. This is this works. If you have a PlayStation Now card for a year, you can stack it all the way out. I tried it today. They stopped it. This is what? new information. There's videos all what about you, it. People what? are pissed. You you can't stack them right now. If you try to redeem a PlayStation Now or a PlayStation Plus code, it says sorry, this is not available. They they paused all redemptions of of prepaid cards. Like within like the last few hours or so. Well, they can't do that or, or, because you've already paid for it. No. They can. It's a huge. I'll send you the link. Just cut this. You can't. They people are pissed. PlayStation will not let they you redeem. Literally just came out days ago and said that you could do this. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it's brand new. I I watched three videos on it earlier tonight. It's a people are pissed. So I have a couple of years of PlayStation Plus, and I tried one tonight. And since I already have PlayStation Plus, it will not let me stack my sixty dollar code that I've already purchased. Wow. I don't I don't see how they're going to get away with that cuz like I said I know I just saw a news article it. on IGN Sony has reportedly stopped PlayStation Plus users stacking their memberships and that was 13 hours ago so it was like literally yeah. within wow. the last 24 Thanks hours Thanks a lot Sony while I right? like have it in the notes to talk about Sorry and I'm like, yeah that's why me- I was confused because I'm like I want to do this but I don't think you can and so I you know so I'm sorry I didn't know that's what you were actually like trying to talk about the stacking cuz I'm like I want to do that <laughs> Well, they just came out and said you could do it, you that it would work. It's like within yeah. the last week and a half, they confirmed right. that it would work, and now apparently they're reneging. On Maybe that they because, saw everybody was doing that, and they're like, "Oh, I'm shit." That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> what they did. Every, so basically, people were going ten years out, and so Sony said, oh, wow. "Nope, we're, we're yeah." There's some people See? doing five we and ten the years. Oh, they lost. Yep. 
Yeah, I know. So, so that's a brand new development, though. So I'm sorry I didn't stop you earlier, but I was. See, that's what I'm saying. Myself. This is why we got to fight the system, guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, yeah. Now I'm with you, Jesse. Like, see, that's what I'm join, saying. Join the. the they don't care about us. Well, trust me, I'm the one that bought the codes and didn't redeem yeah, them. Yeah, I don't want sitting that on hundreds of dollars. Of, I don't even yeah. have a current PlayStation system, and I'm pissed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to know how that works. You're gonna have to keep us updated because that just. Doesn't I'm gonna make send to me. Like, I'm gonna I, send you a video. They're I'll, probably I'll gonna have make some changes i'll put it in the discord and you guys can all watch it but uh, there's a video from just a few hours ago that's titled sony is screwing over playstation now members and it's just a really good i feel like art- yeah. okay sorry that's i feel like they're probably gonna because it just happened they're probably gonna see everything and they're probably gonna come back like okay you can redeem it up to a certain point that's what they probably should have done yeah, in the beginning. That's, but that's what i expect they're what gonna, i think it they're will happen is they'll wait and then what'll happen is they'll they have to do the infrastructure change and the coding right what'll happen is kevin will go to implement his one year of ps now and it will redeem as six months of ps now right exactly equalizes the amount of time because i did the same thing with microsoft like game pass and with like there was a way you could buy an ea subscription for like three months and it would convert to you know one month of unlimited or whatever and anyway i've done these tricks for years with these services any way i could uh and i was i'm bummed but i'm bummed but that was that was more what i wanted to talk about with this is i was gonna say how frustrating this is because i have purchased these codes i got a couple deals on ps plus just the regular you know not now even though i have that too but and i went to redeem it and i'm like are you serious you're not gonna let me use my code i paid for so they said just hold off we'll 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 let you know when you can but it's like it's kind of bs to stop people from using something oh it's terrible terrible business practice like i that is not gonna go over well obviously so are they like not even gonna like refund that money for it like at all i i yeah i mean at this point i don't even know how they would manage that but like yeah. aaron said they'll they'll allow you to redeem them but what they'll redeem for is the question yeah exactly yeah. they're gonna change it on you yeah it's a you know that there's gonna be a lot of, of issues with that they're they're gonna be swimming soon but uh, i just posted so you guys can see it in the show prep channel with the big banner no subscription stacking from seven hours ago all right. Well, with that, we're going to be done with news because I'm angry. Oh, no. I, that's just. <laughs> I know. Trust me. I I was very mad earlier when I said I can't use I'm my sorry. Codes. Yeah, I feel for you. That's yeah. that's rough. So listeners, if you like what you heard here, please subscribe, share the show with your friends, follow us on Twitter and all the other social media at the games we love and follow us and interact with us on our personal channels as well. There are links to all of that in every episode of the show notes. And if you enjoy what you hear, we would love to have you leave us a quick five-star review on the listening platform of your choice. It helps us out. The more high ratings we have, the easier it is for new listeners to discover the show. So thank you in advance for that. Thank you for listening because this is for you. We will be back soon. Check out the Rogue Legacy interview. If you have not gotten a chance to do that yet, go buy Rogue Legacy. And then just get out there and fall in love with you. Bye-bye. Bye.